Well, hello and welcome again to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller. It is Thursday. Time for more of our top 10 adventure shows. This one is based on a very, very famous novel by, I believe, Herman Melville was the author. The book was entitled Moby Dick, and it's a famous story about a a man on the high seas battling a whale, as I recall. I actually don't remember this, although I'm pretty sure I transferred this years ago from the original transcription discs, which were located at that point at the uh, Lincoln Heights Jail in Southern California. Back in 1960-something, Debbie Reynolds, of Singing in the Rain fame and many other, many other things, decided that she liked old Hollywood so much that she wanted to put together a Hollywood museum. That was 1963. It never became in existence. But throughout the 1960s and into the 70s, Debbie Reynolds continued to gather Hollywood memorabilia by the truckload and made it a sort of a strange donation to the city of Los Angeles, who was supposed to put together this Hollywood museum and foot the bill. They took all the material that was coming in by the truckload and trucked it down to what used to be the Lincoln Heights Jail in Lincoln Heights. That's a, a section of uh, Los Angeles. And they put it actually in the old jail cells. They put it up on shelves. They built these big shelves that went way up in the air. You had to have a ladder to get up to the top ones. And they, they ran all these transcription discs and a whole lot of other stuff on these shelves in the actual jail cells. So you went down there, you had to have the jailer, who was an old character actor named Walt Doherty, most famous for being the dead body in the swimming pool in Sunset Boulevard. Walt Doherty had the keys to the Lincoln Heights jail, and he would go with this big old ring of old keys, and he would stick it in the lock, open up the actual jail cell, and you'd go in there, and up on the, the shelving would be runs of Fibber McGee and Molly, the great Gildersleeve, all this stuff that NBC Hollywood had donated to Debbie Reynolds because they didn't want to store it anymore. Fortunately, they didn't throw it away. They gave it to her. She had it trucked over to the Lincoln Heights Jail, and there it sat for decades. It's now all been moved and, and, and scattered about various archives in Southern California. But back then, it was all in one place in that Lincoln Heights Jail. And I had permission to go in there and remove box after box after box of Fibber McGee and Molly and Great Gildersleeve and NBC University Theater and Screen Directors Playhouse and everything else that was in there. And I did that for quite some time, never finished. There was so much material there I could never finish. Then there was some kind of problem because Mr. Doherty got fired due to him allowing some other researchers in there to actually walk off with things and not return them. So Mr. Doherty got fired and I got denied access, even though I wasn't guilty of not bringing things back. Anyway, it's a long way around this, this story, but hopefully this is interesting to somebody. In any case, this is the NBC <laughs> University Theater from April 10th, 1949, a production of the famous novel Moby Dick. The star is Henry Hall, whose name probably means absolutely zero to most people unless you're a fan of the universal horror films of the 1930s, in which case he was the original werewolf in The Werewolf of London in 1935. So there you go. <laughs> This is the NBC University Theater, bringing you a full-hour dramatization of Herman Melville's classic story of the sea, Moby Dick, starring Mr. Henry Hull as Ahab. We bring you a story of the whaling vessel Pequod and of the men who sailed her in pursuit of the white whale Moby Dick. We bring you one of the richest classics in American literature with roots in New Bedford and Nantucket and in the whaling grounds. A story of a man obsessed and a man destroyed. And to play the part of the mad Captain Ahab, we bring you one of America's ablest actors, Mr. Henry Hull. Here now is... Moby Dick. Oh, Shirando, 
Some years ago, having little or no money in my purse and nothing to interest me on shore, I thought I'd sail about a little and see the watery part of the world. Whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it is a damp, drizzly November in my soul, then I count it high time to get to sea as soon as I can. For there's magic in the sea, and all men know that water and meditation are wedded forever. Nantucket Island, there went I to ship aboard a whaling vessel, down to the wharves where the whaling ship Pequod lay snug against the quay. She was small, long-seasoned and weather-stained in the typhoons and calms of all four oceans. A noble craft, but somehow a, a most melancholy one. Oh, when I was a little boy, oh, so my mother told me, we'll haul away, we'll haul away, Joe, that if I didn't Kiss the girls, my lips would grow all moldy. We'll haul away, we'll haul away, Joe. I climbed up on the deck, and there I spied a man all brown and brawny like most old seamen. He talked with the antique speech of the Nantucket Quaker brethren, and his eyes were set about with wrinkles and scowls from a lifetime of looking to windward in continuing gales. Well, man, what would they? Is this the captain of the Pequod? Supposing it to be, what then? Well, sir, I, I was thinking of shipping. Thou wast, wast thou? But flukes, man. What makes you want to go whaling? Sir, I, I want to see what whaling is. I want to see the world. Want to see what whaling is, then? Have you clapped an eye on Captain Ahab? Oh, are you not the ship's captain? Nay, I be Captain Pollock, the owner. You clap your eye on Ahab, and thou wilt find he has but one leg. His leg was lost at sea? Devoured, chewed up, crunched by the monstrous Parmaceti whale that ever chipped a boat. So now, would you still go a-whaling? I thought the man to pitch a harpoon down a live whale's throat and then jump after it. I'm still bound to make the voyage, sir. Aye, then thou mayest as well sign the book. Three years it is. Three years at sea. I know. There. Sign for the voyage. Now, if I may see Captain Ahab. Just the one of Ahab. He's a good man. Not a pious man, but a swearing good man. And yet, since that last cursed voyage when he lost his leg by that devil whale, he's been moody. Desperate moody and savage. Well, it was a cruel loss. Now canst not see Ahab now, but be forewarned. Ahab's above the common. He's Ahab, boy. And Ahab, of all thou knowest, was a crowned king. Now there was a great activity aboard the Pequod. Sails coming on board, coils of rigging, boats, spars, lines, harpoons. For a whaling ship demands a three-year stock of spares aboard. For she frequents lonely seas without hospitable harbors. Then, when the last supplies were laid away in the deep hold... Mr. Starbuck! Aye, sir. I'll go ashore now. Luck to you, Starbuck. This day, three years from now, I'll have a hot supper smoking for you in old Nantucket. <laughs> Goodbye, Captain Peleg. Now, strike the gangway. Man the caps in there. Jump now. Spring. Blast you. Spring. Up anchor, man, and away. Here's shiny man. Aye, sir. A good rhyme to heave to. Spring. Blast you. We'll man the good captain and run it around. We'll heave up the anchor to this jolly song. For we're bound for Rio Grande. Now the ship was under the charge of the mates, for Captain Ahab stayed below hatches as we sailed south along the coast. Well, out there, spring man, spring! 
Chief among these was Starbuck, a native of Nantucket and a Quaker. A steadfast man, an honest man, with a deep natural reverence. Courageous, but no crusader after perils. I will have no man in my boat who is not afraid of a whale. A fearless man is more dangerous than a coward. The second mate was Stubb, a Cape Cod man and cheerful. He presided over his whale boat as if the most deadly encounter were but a dinner. And his crew invited guests. Now, south we sailed, leaving the merciless winter behind us. Then came a lowering, gray, gloomy morning. And as I mounted on the deck at call of the forenoon watch, there on the quarterdeck, his form black against the graying sky, stood Captain Ahab. Starbuck! Mr. Starbuck! Aye, Captain. Send everybody aft. The whole ship's company, sir? Aye, send everybody aft. Mastheads aloft, come down! Aft! Ah, all hands there. There you come now. Jump, you lazy codfishes. All men here, Captain. Oh, men, do you see this Spanish ounce of gold? Aye, pure gold. See, see, it gleams in the sun, men, like heaven itself. Starbuck, hand me your hammer. Aye, sir. Now, I'll nail it to the mast. Listen well. Whosoever ye raises me a white-headed whale with a wrinkled brow and a crooked jaw, whosoever of ye raises me that white whale with three holes punctured in his tarbot fluke, then he shall have this ounce of Spanish gold. A white whale, men, skin your eyes for him. Look sharp for white water. If you see but a bubble, sing out. Captain Ahab. That white whale must be the same that some call Moby Dick. Aye, aye, Moby Dick. Do you, do you know the white whale, then? Does he fontail a little curious before he go down? Has he a bushy spout and mighty quick? With three harpoon arms all twisted round in him? Aye, the harpoons lie all twisted and wrenched in him. Death and devils, men. It is Moby Dick you've seen. Moby Dick. Him that sheared off my leg. Him that dismasted me. I'll chase him round Good Hope and round the Horn and round the Norway Maelstrom and round Perdition's Flame. <laughs> That's what you ship for, men. To chase that white whale across the sea till he spouts black blood and rolls thin out. What say you, men? Will you splice hands on it? Aye, a sharp eye for the white whale. A sharp lance. For Moby Dick! Go draw the great measure of grog. Grog for all hands this day. (laughs) What's his his long face about, Mr. Starbuck? Will thou not chase the white whale? Nay, Captain Ahab. How many barrels of sperm oil will thy vengeance yield thee in Nantucket market? Money's not the measure, Starbuck. Vengeance on a dumb brute that smote thee from blindest instinct. Madness, Captain Ahab. Blasphemy. Starbuck, each thing on earth is but a mask. And how is man to be free unless he pierce that mask, break through the wall? To me, that white whale is the wall across my soul. What if there's naught beyond it? I see in him outrageous strength, inscrutable malice. That thing unknown, that's what I hate. Ah, talk not a blasphemy to me. I'd strike the sun if it insulted me. Not so, Captain. Take off thine eye, Miss Tarbuck. Ah, so, so thou palest. My, my heat has melted thee to anger glow. Starbuck, now is mine. Thou, thou canst not oppose me now without rebellion. Drink, men, drink deep death to Moby Dick. Swear me his death, you harpooners. Death to Moby Dick. God keep me. God keep us all. Through the days and nights, Mad Ahab brooded on the deck, his soul reaching greedily for the wavering call from the masthead that would signal sight of Moby Dick. He piled upon the whale's white hump the sum of all the general rage and hate felt by his race from Adam down. And then he burst his hot heart shell upon it. Now it was a cloudy, sultry afternoon. 
High aloft in the cross trees was Tashtego, the gay-head Indian harpooner, scanning the desert of water for the mist spout of the sperm whale. Suddenly, from the clouds, his voice soared and dropped like a plummet. Take the first boat. But the captain keeps the ship. <laughs> not this one. I'll be first to sink a harpoon in any whale. But it's not Moby Dick, sir. Nay, but each heart of spilled black blood takes me nearer to him. Lower me a boat, Mr. Stubb. Get thy boat to water, Starbuck. Aye, sir. Lower away. Away, Mr. Starbuck, spread out. Give way to Lord. Keep the boat separate. Aye, sir. Now, out oars. Now, pull. Lay back. Pull. She blows again, dead ahead. Pull. Pull. Fight. Fight into the water. Start out your eyes. Spring. Spring. It's not the white whale, but the sperm oil and profit. That's the chase. Wait, wait. Give over rowing. He's sounded. Now, Queequeg, stand up. Spy me out that whale. Sing out if you see but the shadow of a bubble. I said. He down to bottom. There. There she blows and not 50 paces. Pull now. Pull. Roar and pull, my thunderbolts. Pull till you burst your hearts and your livers. There, now, give way. We're on him. Steady. Now, Queequeg, stand up. Harpoon ready? Aye, sir. Now, that's his hump. Give it to him. <laughs> Strong all for your lives. He started. What's the line? Wet it, man. Wet it down. Haul in, men. Haul in. Ha! <laughs> Through the whirling foam of the sea, the monster towed the frail boat. And then, hauling in close, Starbuck churned his long razor lance into the fish. And at last, gush after gush of clotted red gore, warm blood like our own for all his 70 feet of length, shot into the frightened air and falling back, ran down his flanks into the sea. His heart had burst. He spout black blood, Mr. Starbuck. Aye. Aye. He'll spout no more. He's dead. But now our monster corpse must needs be dragged back through the pounding waves to the Pequod. Hour after weary hour, the men strained the long oak oars, towing the slaughtered leviathan through the sea till long after the sun dropped from the sky. Three lanterns tied to the Pequod's mastheads were our star. And through the night we toiled until the whale lay chained by the head to the ship's stern and by the flukes to the bow. Was the king of France before the revolution? We'll haul away, we'll haul away, until he had his head cut off, which spoiled his constitution. We'll haul away, we'll haul away, The next day was the Sabbath, but whalers are notorious Sabbath breakers, and soon the enormous cutting tackles and blocks were hoisted to the main top. The chains are run to the capstan amidships, and the blubber hook rammed into the bleeding, oily hide of the sea monster. All right, aboard there. Take her away. Heave. It's a 
well, they have no comb. Heave away, heave away. They comb their hair with codfish bones. Heave away, my bully, bully boys. Heave away, heave away. Heave away, my bully, bully boys. We are bound for Australia. We are bound for Australia. The ship heels over as the tackle takes up the strain. Then, with a swift snap, the strip of blubber rises into the air, peeled off the revolving whale like the skin of an orange. Hoisted aloft, then dropped into the yawning hatches below to the blubber room. All the day goes this weary work, and by the light of smoking lanterns, into the night. All in the chains. Let the carcass go astern. The peeled white body of the beheaded whale floats slowly astern, the water round it torn and splashed by insatiate sharks, and the air above vexed by the flights of screaming seafowl. Beneath the unclouded azure sky on the fair face of the pleasant sea, the great mass of death floats on and on, till lost in infinite perspective. Now only the giant head hangs from the Pequod's yards, half dipped in the sea. Silence reigns over the deserted deck. An intense copper calm unfolds its noiseless leaves over the ocean. Ahab stands alone upon the quarterdeck, his mad eye fixed upon the black and hooded head. Speak. Speak, thou vast and venerable head. Speak. Mighty head, and tell us the secret thing that is in thee. Of all divers, thou hast dived the deepest. Where unrecorded names and navies rot, there in that awful waterland was thy most familiar home. Thou hast slept by many a sailor's side, where sleepless mothers would give their lives to lay them down. Oh, head, thou hast seen enough to split the planets and make an infidel of Abraham, and not one syllable is thine. Sail ho! Sail ho! Where away? Three points on the starboard bow. Aye, Captain, a whaler by the look of her and bringing down a breeze to us. Look at her broad beams, Tarbuck. Where the wheel boats are swung. Aye, Captain. Shattered boats. Splintered planks like the skeleton of a horse. An omen's tarbuck. Down helm! We'll hail the vessel. Ahoy! The delight! Ahoy! The Pequot has seen the white whale. Moby Dick, do you see the shattered whale boat on the beams? Aye, we've seen Moby Dick. Hast killed him! The harpoon is not forged that will ever do that. You lie! Look, you Nantucketer! Here in this arm, I hold his death. I swear to plunge harpoon in that place behind the fin where the white whale most feels his accursed life. Then God keep the old man. Where away the white whale? Ten leagues hence, north or northeast. Brace forge, Tabak. Up helm. Captain, the oil in the hold is leaking. So? We must up hatches and break out the cars. <laughs> up hatches and break out? Aye. Moby Dick is sighted. Would you have us heave to here for a week to tinker a parcel of old hoops? Either do that, sir, or waste in one day more oil than we can hope to make good in a year. Let it leak. Soul's hull leaks. Yet I don't stop to plug it. But who can find it in the deep-loaded hull or hope to mend it in life's howling gale? Tabak, I'll not heave to. What will the owners say, sir? Let the owner stand on Nantucket Beach and out yell the typhoon. Owners! Owners! But, sir, the owner... The only real owner of anything is its commander. And hark ye, my conscience is in this ship's keel. Down, dog, to kennel. Captain Ahab, a better man than I might well pass over in thee what he would quickly enough resent in a younger man. I and in a happier. Devils! Dost thou then so much as dare to question me? Be gone! Nay, sir, not yet. I do entreat. Shall we not understand each other better, Captain Ahab? Starbuck, 
seest thou this pistol? Captain. There is one god that is lord over the earth, and there is one captain that's lord over the Pequod. May put up thy pistol, Captain. Thou hast outraged, not insulted me. But for that I ask thee not to beware of Starbuck. Thou wouldst laugh. But let Ahab beware of Ahab. Beware of thyself, old man. Brave Starbuck, brave. Yet still obey. <laughs> Most careful bravery, that. Ahab, beware of Ahab, aye. <laughs> There's something there. But Moby Dick is sighted. The whale within my grasp at last. I'll clutch his heart and see him spout black blood. Unfurther the gallantles. Shake out the reefs. We sail for Moby Dick. Now into the green Pacific, the mastheads crying out at every spout. Lower away, black blood and flukes. And then the butchery of cutting in. The shrouds were sooted with the smoke of the tripods as the blubber passed through the fire to the oil casks. Oh, think of that, ye landsmen, when you burn your lamps. Think of the whaler in the icy sea facing death in combat with the monsters of the unknown deeps. Think well and count the oil you burn more precious than the rarest jewel. Now on the quarter deck, old Ahab paces, his ivory leg echoing sharply in the cabin beneath. And in the sunset, it seemed as if his brain beat hard against a steel skull. Try heat upon my brow. Oh, oh, time was when as the sunrise nobly spurred me, so the sunset soothed. I would no more. His lovely light, it lights me not. All loveliness is anguish to me since I ne'er can enjoy. Gifted with a high perception, I lack a low enjoying power. Ah, damned most subtly and most malignantly. Damned in the midst of paradise. I, I thought to find one stubborn at the least. But they take fire from me in search of Moby Dick. Oh, hard, that to fire others the match itself must needs be wasting. What I've dared, I've willed. They, they think me mad, <laughs> but I am demoniac. Madness maddened. You cannot swerve, Miss Tarbuck. Nay, the path to my fixed purpose is laid with iron rails, whereon my soul is grooved to run. Moby Dick. Moby Dick, the monster whale of awesome white. Yet will I see thee roll thin out. Yet will I clutch thy heart. Mr. Stardock, down helm. We sail for Moby Dick. From Hollywood, the NBC University Theater is bringing you Henry Hull in a radio version of the Herman Melville novel, Moby Dick. This play is part of a series devoted to the classic novels of Anglo-American literature. If you are interested in supplementing your enjoyment of these productions with home study under college supervision, be sure to listen to the announcement at the close of this program. Today, in place of the intermission commentary normally heard on NBC University Theater, we bring you a special message from Dr. John W. Taylor, president of the University of Louisville. Here now is Dr. Taylor speaking from Louisville, Kentucky. During the past eight months, more than 5,000 listeners to NBC's University Theater 
from every state in the Union have worked and worked hard as students enrolled in the radio-assisted correspondence course in Anglo-American fiction offered by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Louisville. Some of these students are working for credit toward a college degree, others for self-enrichment and self-advancement. I am here today to congratulate the first 50 students from throughout the nation who have completed their work in this course and passed their final examinations. Students registered for credit have received certificates of performance equivalent to those granted students who are regularly registered and in residence at the University of Louisville. May I specially congratulate the three students who, because of their exceptional diligence in carrying out the correspondence work, have achieved the highest grades in this group. These students are, first, Mrs. Olive Ulcher, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Second, Mrs. Beulah Cadwell, Danuba, California. And third, Miss Gilda Green, Providence, Rhode Island. And in recognition of outstanding scholastic achievement, each of these students is being awarded a set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. It is my firm belief that only by bringing college education into the homes of the people through radio, supplemented by correspondence between the student at home and the instructor at the university, can millions of Americans, for whom the facilities of a university are not easily available, secure an education at the college level. For this reason, NBC's College by Radio courses, developed in cooperation with the University of Louisville, and now in operation at Washington State College, the University of Tulsa, the University of Southern California, the University of Chicago, and Kansas State Teachers College, have created an important milestone in the history of American education. I know that every listener joins me in thanking the National Broadcasting Company for this outstanding public service. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. Our dramatization continues from Hollywood after a brief pause for station identification. summer cool weather of the Pacific, Perth, the blacksmith, begrimed and blistered, set up his forge on deck, lashed to ring bolts by the foremast, and surrounded by an eager circle, he mended boat spades, pike heads, harpoons, and lances. Blacksmith? Blacksmith! Hey, Captain. What, uh, what wert thou making there? Welding an old pike head, sir. There were seams and dents in it. Mm, and, and, and canst thou make all smooth again, blacksmith, after such hard usage as it had? I think so, sir. Now, thou canst smooth seams and dents, no mind how hard the metal? Aye, sir. All seams and dents but one. <laughs> look ye, look ye here, then. Here. Can you smooth out this ribbed seam of madness in my brow? Hmm? If thou couldst, blacksmith, glad enough would I lay my head upon thy anvil and feel thy heaviest hammer between my eyes. Answer, canst thou smooth this seam? Nay, nay, Captain. That is the one dent that defies blacksmith's hammer. I pray. It is unsmoothable. For though thou seest it here in my flesh, it has worked into the bone of my skull deep. Deep. But no more pikes and gaffs today, blacksmith. Look, look ye here. The gathered nail stubs of steel-shoed racing horses. Oh, Captain, thou hast here the best and stubbornest stuff we blacksmiths ever work. Aye, Perth. And from these thou must forge me a harpoon. One that a thousand yoke of fiends couldn't part. A blade that will stick in a whale like his own fin bone. Captain! Is this harpoon, then, for Moby Dick? Aye, blacksmith. 
Forge this blade, and I will have his life and spill his blood into the sea. Now, blow up by fire and hammer, man, hammer! Forge me my harpoon! Tis done, Captain. It needs but tempering. Would you pass yon water cask? Nay, nay, nay. No water for that. I wanted the true death temper. Ahoy there, Tashtigo! Queequeg! Ahoy, you pagan harpooners! Hi, Captain. Hi, Captain. What, what, what say you? Will you, will you give me enough blood to cover this barb? Blood? Blood, aye, blood. For a blade as sharp as the needle's feet of an icy sea. Blood, man, are you willing? Aye, Captain, I'm willing. And I? Ah, your arm, then. Now, Queequeg, your knife. There. Ah. There now, harpoon, baptized in the name of devil, in thy keen edge I hold death for Moby Dick. Further into the great Pacific fishing ground swept the Pequod, lowering at every spout the men rocking in the tiny whaleboats as the soft waves purred against the gunnels. These are times of dreamy quietude, when beholding the tranquil beauty and brilliancy of the ocean skin, one forgets the tiger heart that pants beneath it. Now steals the golden hush o'er the waves so that the mariner will all but swear that weary children lie sleeping in these solitudes. Now gazing far down from his boat's side into that same golden sea is Starbuck. Loveliness unfathomable. As ever lover saw in his young bride's eye. Tell me not of thy teeth-teared sharks and thy kidnapping cannibal ways. Let faith oust fact. Let fancy oust memory. I look deep down and do believe. What warmest climes but nurse the cruelest fangs, skies most effulgent but basket the deadliest thunders, and from out that cloudless sky burst the direst of all storms, the typhoon. Stop! Stop! Hey, Mr. Starbuck, see to the lashings! Hey, that wave has a start around the world to meet me, and I can run but across the deck. Ah, me father was the keeper of the Eddystone Light. Have I started oh, yeah. a brave man, thou hold thy peace. Ah, but I am not a brave man. I seem to keep up my spirits. Delay, stuff. Nay, nay, Mr. Starbuck. There's no way to stop my singing but to cut my throat. Oh, me... Madman, look through my eyes if thou hast none of thine own. Hey, what? What is it, Mr. Starbuck? Look you there, stuff. Mark Ahab's boat. Hey, stove in. Hey, stove in the stern sheets where he stands. Now jump overboard and sing if thou must. Nay, nay, nay. What's in the wind? The gale that now hammers at us to stave us. We can turn it into a fair wind to drive us home. Yonder to windward all is blackness of doom. But to leeward, homeward, see how the light shines the way to Nantucket and home. Mr. Stabber! Aye, Captain. Turn not a point to leeward. Drive into it! Mesa, look now, aloft! Look! The corpusants! St. Elmo's fire on the yards! Aye, the masthead burn like tapers on an altar! Oh, the corpusants have mercy on us all! See, see, it burns! It burns and destroys not! Aye, look! Mark it well! The white flame leads the way to the white whale! The lightning flashes through my skull! My whole beaten brain seems as beheaded and rolling on some stunning ground. Thou foundling fire, thou hermit immorial, leap! Leap up and lick the sky! I leap with thee, I burn with thee, defying thee, I worship thee! God is against thee, old man, forbear. Let me square the yard while we may and make a fair wind of it homeward. Starbuck. Your oaths to hunt the white whale are as binding as mine own. But we must send down the main topsail yard. Shall I strike it, sir? Strike it! 
like nothing. Lash it. If I had skysel poles, I'd sway him up now. Sir, in God's name. My mess and keel takes me for the hunchback skipper of some coasting stack. Send down my main tassel yard. No. Oh, no. Loftiest trucks were made for wildest winds. And this brain truck of mine now sails amid the clouds, cud. Shall I strike that? Oh, no. None but cowards send down their brain trucks in tempest time. Nay, Starbuck, strike nothing but lash everything aloft. Some hours after midnight, the typhoon abated, and the crew set to work cutting away the splintered spars and shredded canvas. Then down below went Starbuck to report to Captain Ahab. The swaying cabin lamp was burning fitfully and casting fitful shadows on the old man's door. The loaded pistols in the rack gleamed in the swaying light. He would have shot me once. Aye, there's the very pistol. Loaded, primed. With this, he would have killed me. I and all the crew. Shall this crazed old man be tamely suffered to drag a whole ship's company to doom with him? Murder. He sleeps beyond this door. Sleeps. But soon will wake again. I can't withstand the old man. Thou sayest we're all Ahab. Great God forbid. I stand alone with two oceans between me and law. Ahab's hammock swings within. His head here. A touch, and Starbuck may survive to hug his wife and child again. Oh, Mary, Mary, and my boy. And if I wake thee not to death, old man, to what unsounded deeps will Starbuck's body this day sink? Great God, where art thou? Shall I? Shall I? Stern all, stern all, He mutters in his sleep. Stern all, oh, Moby Dick, I clutch thy heart at last. Oh, God, God, help me. I cannot. Sleep on, old man, and wake to bring us all to death. <laughs> Now, from the east, her skysails showing white against the blue, the whaler, Rachel, bore down upon the Pequod. The Rachel's captain put off, and soon his boat hook clinched the Pequod's main chains. Ahoy there! Have you seen the white whale? Aye, yesterday. Give me a hand up there. Here's a... Uh, up. Uh, have you seen a whale boat adrift? My own boy was in it. Boat towed out of sight by that white demon. He lives. Moby Dick still lives. Aye. But yesterday he towed away the lead boat. Captain, let me charter your boat to search. For eight and forty hours only. You must, you must, you shall. His son is lost. What say you, Captain? We'll save his son. You too have a boy, Captain Ahab. Will you do it? You'll save my boy. There! Run, men! Stand by to square in the yard! But I... Touch not a rope yarn. Captain, I... I will not do it. Moby Dick is in my reach. I'll not lose time. Mr. Starbuck, in three minutes from this present, brace forward and let the ship sail on. No, Ahab, no, I beg. Goodbye, goodbye. God bless you, men. And God forgive me, too. But I must sail on for Moby Dick. Soon the two ships diverged their wakes. And by her halting course and winding, woeful way, you plainly saw that this ship that so wept with spray was truly Rachel, weeping for her children because they were not. Starbuck? Sir? It's a mild, mild wind. 
and a mild-looking sky. I see. <laughs> On such a day as this, I, I struck my first twail. A boy harpooner of 14. <laughs> 40, 40 years ago. <sighs> Not three of those years ashore. Oh, weariness, heaviness. Forty years on dry, salted fare. Fit emblem of the dry nourishment of my soul. Aye, while the poorest landsman has fresh fruit to his daily hand. Away, whole, whole oceans away from that girl wife I wedded past fifty. Nay, nay, not wedded. I, I widowed that child when I married a Starbuck. Old Ahab, more a demon than a man. A fool, a forty years fool. Starbuck. Starbuck, do I do I look so old? So very old. I I feel bowed and humped as though I were Adam, staggering beneath the piled centuries since paradise. Captain, there's a fair breeze to Nantucket. Starbuck, stand close. <laughs> Let me, let me look, let me look into a human eye. So is it better than to gaze on God. I, I see my wife and child in thine eye. No, 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 stay on board the Pequod when Branded Ahab gives chase to Moby Dick. That hazard shall not be thine. Oh, Captain, Captain, lower not for that deadly fish. Old Starbuck. Away with me, let us fly these deadly waters, let us home. How cheerily would we bowl on our way to old Nantucket. I'd crack my heart. Mockery, bitter mockery. Come, Captain, let us away to wife and child. See, see my Mary on the hill waiting for her husband's sail. Come, Captain, come. What is it? What is it, Starbuck? The nameless, hidden lord and master that commands against all natural longing. Is Ahab Ahab? Is it I, God, or who that lifts this arm? By heaven, man, we are turned round and round in this world like yonder windlass and fates the handspike. But, uh, we'll sleep at last, Starbuck. I toil how we may. We'll sleep at last. So, Captain, shall I square away the yards? Home, home to Nantucket? The word, Captain. What say the word? There she blows! She blows! She blows! Right away! The Lord! She blows! A hump like a snow hill! It's Hobby Stand by to little boats. Mr. Starbuck, stay on board and keep the ship. Helm there, luff, luff a point. So, so. Steady, steady as she goes. Aye, sir. All ready, the boats there. Lower me, Mr. Starbuck, lower. Stand by to lower boats. Let go. He blows the lure, Captain. Aye, Starbuck. Stay thou on board and keep ship. Now, men. Ship oars and pull. Pull. Pull, men. Pull. Beach me on his snow hill hump. Go and pull. I see thee now. Pull. I have thee now. Pull. In this hand, I hold thy death. Luke. Luke. He's down, Captain. I... And now he'll stay below. Easy off. Easy off, men. But then must he come up to light where Ahab's lance can reach. Nay, Captain. The birds. The seabirds. They come this way. They've keen eyes. Look down, Captain. Aye. Look down. Aye, the birds see. Stern all. Stern all, says Moby Dick. Pull. Pull. He comes up towards the gate. Pull. The boat, it crushes. He shakes my boat as a cat to mouse. Monster! Demon! Demon! Captain! 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 Captain!
Into the boiling sea spilled Ahab as the whale's great jaws closed upon the gunwales of the whale boat and sheared it in twain. Now at the edge of the maelstrom of swirling planks and cedar chips and struggling men lay Moby Dick, slowly feeling with his giant flukes from side to side. And whenever a stray oar, a bit of plank, the slightest crumb of one of the boats touched his skin, his tail drew swiftly back and came sideways, smiting the sea. But soon, as if satisfied that his work was done, he continued his lured way at a traveler's methodic pace. And as the whale drew off, down came the Pequod to fish her children from the foaming sea. Here, Captain. Here, my arm. Harpoon. My harpoon. Is it safe? Aye, sir. Any, any missing men? Five oars. Five men. Ah, help me, man. I... I wish to stand. So, so there I see his spout to leeward still, a leaping spout. Stabuck, set sail and after him. Mark ye, Captain, your wrecked boat. <laughs> the thistle the ass refused. It pricked his mouth too keen. Eh? What soulless <laughs> thing is this last before a wreck? Neither groan nor laugh should be heard before a stove boat. Aye, sir, it is a solemn sight. An omen and an ill one. Omen? Aye. If the gods think to speak the men, they'll speak outright, not give an old wives hint. Be gone. We two are opposite poles. Starbuck is tub reversed, and stub is Starbuck. And ye two are all mankind. And Ahab, Ahab stands alone among the millions of the peopled earth. Nor gods, nor, nor men, his neighbors. Cold. Cold. I. I shiver. I. Oh, now! Mast head aloft here! Aye, sir! Do you see him? Do you see Moby Dick? Sing out for every spout, though he spout ten times a second! Stacking her canvas high, the Pequod bore down in the lured wake of Moby Dick. At methodic intervals, the whale's glittering spout was chanted from the mastheads, which overnight felt close upon the sea. Then, when morning came, again the shout went up from aloft. She breaches! There she breaches! Aye, breach your last to the sun, Moby Dick. Thy hour and thy harpoon are at hand. Down, down, all of you! The boats, stand by! Great God, but for one single instant, show thyself. Never wilt thou capture him, old man. Away, Starbuck! Oh, sir, it is impiety and blasphemy to hunt him more. Starbuck! Ahab is forever Ahab. This whole act's immutably decreed. Was rehearsed by thee and me a billion years before this ocean rolled. I, I feel strained. I half stranded as a passing hawser. But ere I break, Starbuck, you'll hear me crack. Two days has Moby Dick defied me. He'll rise once more to spout his last. Lower away, boats! Captain, noble heart, go not. Stand by the crew. Starbuck, keep the ship. Pull. Pull, my men. Pull. Heart of wrought steel. Oh, my God, what is this? Mary. Mary, girl, thou art grown dim. Starbuck, stave it off. Oh, Ahab, Ahab, beware. Beware of thyself, old man. The whale had sounded. Down went he to his green world below. And the boats lay rocking gently. Grim Ahab's hand upon the harpoon, waiting, waiting till Moby Dick should rise and blow again. 
Suddenly, a low, rumbling sound was heard, a subterraneous hum, and a vast form shot lengthwise from the sea. Oh! Oh! Yeah, but my arms, my legs, pull! Pull! Oh, sir! And now, slack away! We blow, Captain! Uh, one more pull. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's off, he's off, he's off. Hold steady. Now, now my harpoon. Aye, Captain. Now, Moby Dick, I fling my curse. Steel blade and curse sunk to the socket. He rolled. He rolled. The line. Mark the line. The line. The line, the line is parted. What, what, parted? What, what breaks now in me? Some sinew cracks. Oh, oh, quickly and on him. I, I grow blind with spume. Cry him out. Where is he? He swim on the ship. The ship. Oars, oars, hope oars. That he have drive this last time on his mark. The ship dash on me, men. Will you not save my ship? Straight upon the advancing prow of the Pequot bore Moby Dick, smiting his jaws amid fiery showers of foam. Upon the bowsprit stood Starbuck and Stubb, new fished from the wrecked whaleboats. Up helm, ye fools! The jaw! The jaw! Oh, Ahab, Ahab, blow thy work! Steady, helmsman, steady! Lay up helm again! He turns to meet us! His prow drives on! Oh, my God, stand with me now! Uh, oh! <laughs> The solid white buttress of the whale's forehead smote the Pequod's starboard bow. And through the breach, they heard the waters pour as mountain torrents down a flume. Diving beneath the ship, the whale ran quivering along its keel and then away. Slowly, slowly, the Pequod settled in the water. And now the whale lay quiet within a few yards of Ahab's tiny, tossing boat. I... I turn my body from the sun. Thou death-glorious ship, must ye then perish, and without me? Oh, lonely death, thou lonely life. From all your furthest bounds pour ye in now, ye bold billows of my whole foregone life, and top this one piled comber of my death. Keep low again, Captain. Aye, Moby Dick. Toward thee I roll, thou all-destroying but unconquering whale. Till the last I grapple with thee, from hell's heart I stab at thee. For hate, hate, I spit my last breath at thee. Let me die still chasing thee, still tied to thee, thou damned whale. Thus, thus I give up the spear. The rope! The line! It's bound! Catch it once round the log ahead! Watch out! The loop! The loop! Ahab, caught by the flying turn of line around the neck, shot from the boat into the sea, down, down through the green silence, past the shadows of the sun and waves, down into the black unknown dove, mad Ahab, tied for eternity to the white whale, still in death, pursuing Moby Dick, down to the quiet darkness and eternal rest of the ocean deeps. And now concentric circles seize the lone boat itself, and all its crew and each floating oar and every lance pole and spinning, animate and inanimate, all round and round in one vortex, carried the smallest chip of the Pequod down, 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 out of sight. The drama's done. Why then here does anyone step forth? Because one did survive the wreck. I, Ishmael, lay floating in the wreckage, clinging to a shattered spar. I floated on a soft and dirge-like mane. 
On the second day, a sail drew near, nearer, and picked me up at last. It was the Rachel, that in her retracing search after her missing children, only found another orphan. been listening to Moby Dick, an NBC University Theater production of the Herman Melville novel starring Henry Hull as Ahab. Next week at this same time, we will bring you another classic of Anglo-American literature, Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and the following week, Samuel Butler's great novel, The Way of All Flesh. The present semester of the NBC University Theater is devoted to the classics of Anglo-American literature from the time of Henry Fielding to that of Henry James. If you wish, you may learn more about these authors and their works by enrolling in the college-supervised courses now being offered in connection with the NBC University Theater. The University of Tulsa in Oklahoma, Washington State College, and Kansas State Teachers College have now completed their plans for offering such a course in the coming months. Thus joining the University of Louisville, whose established home study plan is already serving listeners in another area of the nation. For information, then, as to how you may enhance your knowledge through these courses, write to NBC University Theater, in care of the University of Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, Washington State College, Pullman, Washington, the University of Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Kansas State Teachers College, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Moby Dick was adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Starred as Captain Ahab, Mr. Henry Hull. Ishmael, the narrator, was High Aberback. John Beale was Starbuck. Our cast included Stephen Chase, Donald Morrison, John Daner, Ralph Moody, Lester Sharp. Your announcer, Don Stanley. The original musical score was composed and conducted by Dr. Albert Harris, the director of the NBC University Theater, is Andrew C. Love. Next week, be with us again for the NBC University Theater dramatization of the delightful Mark Twain novel, Huckleberry Finn, starring Dean Stockwell. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. All right, lots of interesting things about that one. Very vivid writing there uh, to get you in the imagination of radio and imagining that big gigantic whale and all that stuff going on. They did a really good job making that book kind of come alive for radio. Ernest Canoy is the one who did that. You may recognize that name as the man who wrote a whole lot of X-1 science fiction shows, and I had forgotten he had done things like this before that. So quite interesting. NBC University Theater was only on for a couple seasons, maybe two or three, was a highbrow attempt at bringing highbrow, mostly highbrow literature to NBC. And the companion show was called Screen Director's Playhouse. It was done right about the same time, a few days apart. And on Screen Director's Playhouse, they adapted uh, famous films for radio. Here, the focus is entirely on novels. So two different approaches. 
two different types of things, but yet NBC was experimenting there as television was creeping in as a competitor and not allowing them to have quite the freedom they used to have to just do anything. They had to up their game to keep their ratings up by the time we're up here in about 1949. That evil television was coming in very fast. All right, that's it for the good old days of radio show for the day. Tune in, or tune in. Boy, sound like an old radio announcer. Next Thursday, we will drop, I guess is the current way you say it, we will drop another episode of this podcast. I don't know where we drop it, and it sounds dangerous, but that's how they talk these days. We're not in the old announcer days, even though I slip into it occasionally. Uh, We'll drop another of the top 10 adventure shows. And on Tuesday, we'll have a comedy, drama, or variety, most likely a comedy, since we're doing a lot of drama-type things on the adventure series. Check that out on Tuesdays, and check out the website, goodolddaysofradio.com. That is how you refer other people to this show, because it gives them all the options as to how to listen to it. Uh, It comes on all different what they call these days platforms instead of radio stations. So it comes on all these different platforms and people who want to hear it or may want to hear it can pick the platform they want to listen to. And the best way to figure out how you're going to do that is to go to goodolddaysofradio.com and pick from there. You can also check it out on Facebook, Good Old Days of Radio Show on Facebook. That's it for the day. So until next week. This is John Tefteller saying goodbye.